When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Audio Judo, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I'm Matthew. And I'm Kyle. How's everybody doing out there? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How yeah. are you? I'm not too bad. Good. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty... Hope, every, hope everybody's doing good out there as well. Yeah. Old business, I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. We're, we're recording these too fast right now. That's what the problem is. We're, we're just blowing through these babies. It's like a factory. Right? Just churning them out just like a car factory that switched over to ventilators i was gonna say the exact same thing <laughs> stole it right out of my mouth uh, sometimes i do that that's all right so, so what? what oh go, no wait, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, no you go yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go ahead i was gonna say what are we talking about this week well we are talking about the albums of summer oh so originally when i envisioned recording an album uh, an episode about albums of summer i thought uh i thought i would be recording it in late spring for an early summer release uh, and then the coronavirus thing happened, and our recording schedule changed. We adapted, and we started recording every week, if we could. Found some artists that were also quarantined and willing to have a conversation with us, which is great. So this one got kicked down the road a little bit. But I always knew we would get to it. Yeah. So uh, now it's a late spring recording, but my feeling is by the time uh, this hits the air, it will be early August, probably. Yeah, it sounds about right. So- Incidentally, this is a, a bit of an aside. This this is the germ of the idea to do a podcast at all. Ooh! So way back years ago, when the show that we all collectively worked on was new, and I was the only person in this room that was actually at that show, <laughs> uh, we used to run out of things to talk about on headset because we had spent eleven hours a day, six days a week on headset during creation. 
and we had pretty much felt like talked about everything that we could talk about. So there were the, these weird periods of awkward silence. So midway through the second show, one night in the oblivion of shows that we were doing, <laughs> uh, I said over headset, what records do you guys listen to to start off your summer? And there was this awfully long silence. And then I said, well, mine is X. And then there was another long pause. And then the most unlikely of all voices from above, Mr. Brian Wise, <laughs> said, yes, that's the one. I was just about to say that. <laughs> and this was when this is when all of our comms were still all connected yeah. before the great schism of 2017. <laughs> and at that moment, I thought I should get a podcast thing and just talk about stuff like music podcast thing because you know, podcast thing. And that idea would bounce around in my head for years and years and do nothing. And now look at me. Hey, that's amazing. Now we're uh, rolling in the free podcast money. Yeah. Just watching it blow in like tumbleweed across the <laughs> desert. Is that money? No, no. That's just, it's just another tumbleweed. Oh, shit. <sighs> All right. Well, when I try to get feedback from people on what their albums of summer were for this episode. I had a hard time trying to explain exactly what I was looking for. I was, uh, I kept getting albums with summer in the title yeah, and stuff like that. And that's not really what I was going for. I didn't want to do an episode about in the summertime by Mungo Jerry. Oh shit. Do, 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 do. Tell me that's, that's not, that's, that's not, not one list. of mine. That's not one of mine. I just, I was just joking. That's uh everything needs a, <laughs> that jug band. <laughs> My point was to capture the feeling that summer evokes. You know, I have records that make it feel like summer to me. Songs are records that you listen to at the beach or the cabin or in the car with the windows down or sitting on the porch, sipping lemonade, watching a sunset. You know, I feel like it's a lot easier to pinpoint a winter record, one that makes you feel melancholy or cold or morose or whatever. Yeah. It's easier to say that sounds like winter. And maybe even spring is easier with exuberance, you know, and rebirth. But summer is about fun, about joy, about having a good time. It's also more difficult to talk about a full record and not just songs. That was the hardest right? part for me. So I can think of like right off the top of my head, I could probably list a dozen summer songs. Of course. But then you look at the rest of those albums and you're like, there's like just that one song on there. The rest of this is completely different or well, we're not a song no. podcast. And that was what was so hard is I kept being like, Oh, let's try this album. And then I'm like, mm. the whole album doesn't really feel like summer. It just has like a, a kind of a spring or summer moment on it. And then it kind of just fades away. Right. That was super difficult for me. And we'll let other and podcasts I'm, deal with. I'm not going to lie. Songs. I, I kind of cheated twice on that. That's one. okay. Cheating <laughs> two, is okay. Two out of three. So I'll, I'll, hey, we'll explain that in a minute. But I believe Meatloaf said two out of three ain't bad. That's true. Which, you know. He also had sex with that car. He did. Or a baseball player. I'm still not sure which. Yeah, I can't remember. Was that Paradise by the Dashboard yeah, Lights? Yeah. yeah I don't. That's, that's what that song's about, right? I think so. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. I've always. Having sex on a dashboard? Yeah. Yeah. Or with it's a, a tight dashboard. Fit. I'm not sure. It's tight. Oh, Giggity. With, with meatloaf? Yeah, that's a tight fit. <laughs> hope, it, hope it's like a big old like 50s car because otherwise. It's got to be like. Ain't no a, chance. It's got to be like a 57 ship, like a big it's old a, It's boat. a Nissan Leaf. Oh, uh, yeah. That's not going to happen. It's a Cadillac Fleetwood. <laughs> big. So, so, yeah. Talking about full records is difficult, you know. Yeah. But it makes it more fun. You put a record on or a cassette in the tape deck and you just let it run. 
and listen to the whole thing. I would agree. So I spent a long, uh, like a lot of time trying to break it down in a certain way to represent a bunch of eras or times, maybe a few genres as well. Ooh. Um, it's not easy because people have strong opinions. Uh, the ones I chose were popular in the summer they were released, predominantly fun records, and it's at least somehow evoked the summertime feeling in me. I also have a list of viewers' choice viewers, viewers, listeners' choices. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, that we'll mention and talk about a little at the end. So you and I decided that this one we would uh, go a little more old school for mm-hmm. us, if there is such a thing. So back in the first few episodes of Audio Judo, we did one called Soundtrack Shootout. Yes. We talked about the best movie soundtracks, and we didn't tell each other what we had picked to offer a little more spontaneity. Mm-hmm. That is episode five, in case you were curious. There you go. I was just about to say, I think that's four or five, but you've already got it. Well, we decided to go back to that and not talk about our choices in advance. Perhaps this will elicit some passionate responses. Ooh, I hope it does. You're raw. <laughs> so- like I said, for me, this is all about evoking the feeling of summer. Yeah. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this may be a predominantly Midwestern phenomenon, either Midwestern or East Coast. So we have spent, we collectively, people from the Midwest, uh, have spent the last six months from mid-November to mid-April in relative bleakness. <laughs> Most days are gray and cold with plenty of snow. Leaves are gone. The grass is brown or white, depending on the day. <laughs> It's not a lot of beauty, what I would consider beauty and, and, you know, stuff that's alive, at least. So then April comes, we get a couple of warm days, but those are just a tease because you usually get a spring snow in May that ruins <laughs> everything. But then sometime around Memorial Day or maybe a couple weeks later, summer officially arrives. The first time you can wear short sleeves and no jacket, your windows are down, it's a fresh breeze on the air, the smell of newly mowed lawns, wafts across the neighborhood. These are the feelings that I have when I listen to these records. So we chose three. Mm-hmm. I tried to choose ones from different times because my first trio that I originally went through with my, my first pass were all within three years of one another. <laughs> and I'm sure that's a product of uh, adolescence when music was such a huge key role. And it's also really fun music, but yeah, it was all like, like I think those, these all came out, of, these are all the same summer. <laughs> That must have been a good uh, summer. <laughs> uh, that'd be that's a good episode, uh, a good future episode. What was the best season for music? Mm. That'd be tough. I, I already have an answer for no, that. No, I guess let me rephrase that. We'd have to do four episodes. What was the best winter for music? What was the Ooh. best summer? What was the best spring? What was the best fall? Ah, our 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 seasonal collection. Yeah, that'd be tough. That'd be tough. Randy, you can just uh, package those all four together, and send them all out. Yeah, <laughs> audio judos. Seasonal collection. Ooh. 1995. Call now. You can get two. <laughs> Just pay a separate fee. On four, four uh, vinyl discs, two cassettes, or four CDs. Or eight eight tracks. Eight eight tracks. <laughs> That's 64 tracks. For the low, low price of only $9.99 per disc. Oof. We're going to make a killing. Right. So I hand the floor oh boy. to you. So you already went over a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk about oh, uh, before we started, but I was going to say what what I boiled this down to when I was trying to think of what makes a good summer album was what makes a good summer day. Oh, and to me, what mm-hmm. makes a good summer day is you get up a little late, uh, you know, you eat a little bit because you're hungover from the night before. And half the day is already gone. Yeah, uh, you go do something. You go to the beach. 
you go to the lake, you go sit by the river, you go to the pool, whatever. Water, uh, water was vol- involved in every single one of those. Water was involved in every single one of those. Summertime, uh, summertime thing. I feel like water is important in the summer. Mm. But uh, that's the first step is you got to go somewhere, get a little wet, and you're going to listen to music while you do it. That's where the first album comes in. Second thing you're going to do, you're going to go home, you're going to cook dinner, you're going to barbecue. So what are you going to listen to while you barbecue? Third one is after you're barbecuing, what are you going to do to wind up the night? Maybe you're going to sit around and have some drinks. Maybe you're just going to relax, whatever. You're going to listen to a little bit more music and just let the night wind down while you kind of fade away. Or or that. Go clubbing with Randy. You could, you could go clubbing. That's originally. <laughs> so I have changed these albums like half a dozen times in the last few days. Yep. Um, and originally, the and I'll talk about this much later, the album that I picked is the night album was a lot more upbeat and a lot more like, you know, nightclubbing type of an album mm. uh and then i was like but i would never do that <laughs> so i picked something that's a lot more uh slow you down have a few beers and then go to bed type of an album i see i see so okay. the first one on here uh, i gotta i got a confession to make i'm listening i love surf music yeah i do okay o- old surf music rebirth surf music and it's for some reason a lot of people get really upset by that i don't know why why i don't know it's but, good uh, music. It yeah, makes it you is. happy. It's good. But uh, I knew going into this that this first album, the, the kind of you know hanging out by the pool or the going to the beach or whatever album, had to be like a surf music album. Mm-hmm. And there's two types of surf music. There's instrumental surf music. That would be like Dick Dale, Dick Dale that yeah. type of stuff. Uh, and then there's vocal surf music. And obviously, kings of vocal surf music, the people that everybody know, the Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. I started thinking like, all right, what Beach Boys album really encompasses uh, this this whole thing? And I cheated a little bit. Uh-oh. I picked Endless Summer from 1974. <laughs> He's happy about that. Randy loves it. Um, so this, in my opinion, this is a little bit of a cheat because it's a best of album. Oh, that's okay. It covers basically all their best songs from 1962 to like 1967. And then if you get the CD or the digital copy of it, it also has uh, good vibrations from pet sounds tacked on the mm, end of it. Mm-hmm. So there is a reason why I think that even though it's a little bit of a cheat, I still went ahead and picked it. Um, like I said, it covers a lot of their like classic surf era. It's highly regarded by critics and fans alike. Uh, Robert Christigau included it in his uh, basic record library of the 50s and 60s, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, Colin Larkin, uh, who writes the Encyclopedia of uh, uh, Music. Uh, rated album number 972 out of 1,000 on his all-time top 1,000 albums. Just pretty high up there, but still, top 1,000, that's pretty good. It also was hugely popular when it came out in 1974. Three times platinum in the U.S. When they released it, it shot right up to the number one spot on the Billboard Top 100. It was on the Billboard Top 100 for 155 weeks. Was that it? Yeah, that's it. All right. Uh, went gold in Canada and silver in the UK as well. I believe I uh, have that on vinyl. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, it it's also uh, it also totally changed the direction of the Beach Boys' career because they went through the whole surf music thing, and then they kind of starting with Pet Sounds forward. They went into this experimental, yeah, different sound that a lot of people that were used to their surf music didn't really like, but. They released this and it blew up and became so popular. They kind of redirected and said, why don't we just play our our classics, our oldies and become that band and make a living doing it? 
And they did. Oh, they and did. And they still do. I mean, that's, you know, you can still go see a Beach Boys show. Uncle Jesse's been playing drums with them for years. Right? Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> I mean, really, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun album. It's, it's very beachy. It's very. Holy moly. It is loaded with hits. Yep. Uh, I was just about to say notable tracks, Surf and Safari. Little Deuce Coop, Fun, 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 California Girls, Surfing USA. All of them. All summer long. Good vibrations if you get the extended cut. Uh, and this, California Girls. Well, East Coast girls are hip. I really dig those styles they wear. And the Southern girls with the way they talk. Absolute, absolute Southern California classic. And it is, like I said, it is a fun album. It's not super long. It's only, depending on which version, you get 45, 47 to like 52 minutes long, I think. Because every song is like two and a half minutes. Oh, yeah. It is very, very pop music, but uh, I, I still love it. It's great. Very short. Very short. But that's a great choice. That's a great choice to get us started off. Right definitely says summer so what's uh what is your first album matthew my first album is uh one that i've mentioned before it's uh van halen's 5150 quite literally i could have picked any van halen album from the catalog to me they are the quintessential hard rock summer band maybe with the exception of van halen 3 which <laughs> terrible which we've discussed before <laughs> right every single one of their albums has that party summer sound and we talked about this before in our uh, rotating rosters episode, but yeah, bears a little bit further examination. Uh, first of all, uh, the reason I associate this record so much with summer was when I heard it. Uh, the first time I heard the whole record, I was at eighth grade confirmation camp in 1986. Wow! Yeah, the album had been out for a couple months by then, and I had heard a couple singles off of it. Uh, this was uh, St. Edmunds, the church that I went to. This is their confirmation camp, and we had to go. To sh- sessions and stuff, but we had a lot of free time to just kind of walk around and hang out with people. Dino Senna was the only one smart enough of all of us to bring a portable stereo with him to camp. <laughs> and I'm guessing this was the only cassette he brought. And we were f- far enough out in the country that the local rock stations did not come in oh, via boy. antenna. So this is the only record that he played for three epping days. <laughs> But those songs, those feelings, those memories were permanent. I remember the names. I remember what we did and where we walked and what we had for dinner. I remember every little bit of that. And just because that the music became ingrained. So all these memories kind of built around it, you know, acid wash jeans, tagged (laughs) pants, thread bracelets, and then this record on repeat. And this is the one that must get the summer started for me while i love my other two choices uh, this is the opener living in vegas now uh some of the some of the suspense is removed Mm -hmm. because it can be like 
high 70s in February. Yeah. You know, high 70s in Michigan would absolutely, absolutely be the beginning of summer. But here, not so much. I have to wait and kind of see what's when summer begins. You know, I like to say uh, mid-April is fair. You can feel it in the air. You know, you can feel it. And I'm about to drive to work and you can feel it. Windows go down. Sunroof gets slid back and this gets loaded onto Spotify. Now, used to be cassette or CD, whatever, but Spotify. The riffs, the riffs on the opening song, Good Enough, are just so damn crunchy. There's no other way to describe that sound. People that know me, you included, know that I am a sucker for great lyrics. This record has none of those. (laughs) Zero. This is straight up get it music. (laughs) Or I had it and I lost it music. Could be. It's not deep at all, and maybe that's why it suits summer so well. I didn't have to think. It was loud and shallow, and you could sing along without really giving too much shit what it was about. Uh, you have classic songs uh, before you get to Summer Nights, which I know what I said earlier about me not really meaning songs that have summer in the title. However, Summer Nights is a great song. So this song was so great to listen to at 14 or 15 years old in northern Michigan, hanging out in town, blasting the stereo. It's Really weird because I know none of these guys in Van Halen are from the Midwest. They're all California boys. But this record and this song in particular is pulled right out of those experiences. They're using a fishing metaphor to troll for chicks. We used to do both fish (laughs) and troll for chicks. We were better at fishing. That seems very Michigan. We were better at fishing than we were trolling for chicks. But wrong uh, type of lure. Oh, (laughs) so going back and reading the lyrics from this record, they're just, they're bad. (laughs) Even the best of both worlds is really not good. However, it is a great song for summer for any time, really, but especially the summer. sound of it it's right right every window down just blasting elbow out the side it's window. a con- it's a convertible song is what it is yes it it's, is you have to listen to it in a convertible That's you want the way everybody else to share in your joy yes like even the you know where i grew up even the 70 year old neighbors in my neighborhood like oh matthew's home yeah <laughs> mr o'haran what's going on my man Lawns look good. Mr. <laughs> Weber, also lawn look good. Me, not so much. Dad, what are you doing? I, I, I don't care. <laughs> Trying I to make the lawn look good. <laughs> you got to compete with these guys. Here, I'll put this record on. I'll get you going. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. So this was Van Halen's first number one record. Sold six million copies in the States. A couple of bits of info on this record. Ooh. Five of the songs were written in one day. What? Not completed, but the frameworks were completely written in one day. Wow. Uh, At the time, it was the fastest selling record in Warner Brothers history, selling one million copies in the first week alone. Jeez. Right? It's a good record. And that's crazy, too, because that is one million physical copies. 
Correct. This not was this downloads. is not like a million downloads, which is something that is easy to do. A million physical copies had to be produced, shipped out to record stores, and then people had to line up and purchase them. Right. One million actual physical copies from your local <sighs> Harmony House or Virgin Records or wherever the hell you went. Sam Gooday. Sam Goody. To go pay, well, nine bucks for a cassette, maybe a compact, uh, it's a little early for compact this be, disc. I would say this is probably borderline. I bet it was out on compact disc, but I'll bet that wasn't the way that it sold. I think I've had it in three. Well, I had it on cassette first and then compact disc and and now digitally. Digital. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's number one for me. That's a fantastic awesome. record. Per- great choice. Thank you. So far, two good choices. I would agree. My next one, my number two album, the uh, barbecue album. I'm so nervous oh. that we're going to have crossover. I'm just, yeah, I'm so nervous. I, I doubt it. Okay, good. I really doubt it because I did not. I, there was one album on here, uh, and we'll get to that after we talk about the others that uh, I picked. And I was like, one of the reasons why I ended up rejecting it was because I was like, this could be an album Matthew could pick. Oh, and uh, that's intriguing. I, I kept, I wrote down all the albums that I threw out at the end here. Oh, so good. If you want, we can go over them. Yeah, because I have a Real list quick. that other people sent in, and I also have a few that. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my barbecue album oh. is uh, Weezer's White Album from 2016. Pretty new, pretty new for this list. I yeah. Think. Uh, but I really do like it. It was released on uh, April 1st, 2016. Was not an April Fool's Day joke. Uh, but it uh, it is a very Funnily enough, has a lot of influences from the Beach Boys, uh, especially in um, there's a song in there called Endless Bummer that is obviously a play on Endless Summer. And uh, <laughs> if you listen to this track, uh, Girl, We Got a Good Thing, it's got a very Beach Boysy kind of a vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And the whole album is uh, it's written as sort of a tribute to going to the beach in Southern California. That's really what it is. It is very upbeat and very, it's very California. I don't have another word way to describe it. No, that's a, that's an accurate way. <laughs> it is very much uh, uh, in the same kind of style as a lot of the early Weezer albums as well. I got to look up the track list here. Go on. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, it's good. It's a good summertime album. Oh, do you want to get highs on there? Yes, it is. Song. It was number four on the U.S. Billboard top 200 for a couple of weeks i don't really know what else to say about it except go have a quick listen to it it's a good record it is i uh, do enjoy it some notable tracks um girl we got a good thing that i was just talking about great song very beach boys influence I believe that was that was the single from it wasn't yes, it? yes i think that was the first single that yeah. came out uh king of the world also a good song summer elaine and drunk dory which i'll swing back to here in just a minute because that's a fun song uh endless bummer <laughs> great song uh california kids uh, which kind of it's the first track on there and it kind of set the tone for the whole album kind of what the whole album sounds like it's really good yeah. very upbeat but uh like i said i wanted to swing back to a summer elaine and drunk dory because that's such a weird name summer <laughs> elaine and drunk dory 
And uh, Rivers Cuomo has said that uh, the song's title came from an overheard conversation at a party at Rivers' daughter's school. Uh, one mother said that their husband called her school year Elaine during the year and summer Elaine after the school year had ended. <laughs> and another mother commented that her husband had two names for her as well, one of them being Drunk Dory. Uh, both mothers were thanked in the liner notes for the White Album. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh, <laughs> what I think made this a good Look album a good too Karen. was uh oh crap I didn't write down his name right hey, what's going on Karen um I think one of the things that really made this album work well too was uh Jake Sinclair was the producer on this and he and Rivers had different ideas about how this album should sound okay so Rivers Cuomo was trying to do something new where he had created all these spreadsheets with a bunch of lyrics in them and like how they fit together rhythmically and how they fit together. Um, oh crap. Why can't I think of it all of a sudden? You talk about like the meter, like the meter and what is it called? Where a, a word has like parts to it. You're taught when you're a kid to clap it out. Oh, I don't know. Are you referring to syllables? Syllables. Why couldn't I think of the word <laughs> syllables? Holy shit. <laughs> Syllables. I thought I was I was digging deep for like a deeper. No, no it syllables. was it was That's literally it. the surface word. That's why I was so scared <laughs> that I couldn't think of. Am I having a stroke right now? Maybe. Is it possible I'm dying? Do you do you smell toast? I just smell this pop filter. Oh, it smells like my bad breath. We Heather could be making this. bacon out there. So oh, do you smell that? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so anyway, syllables. You broke it all down based on uh, meter and syllables and and how they worked and tried new writing techniques. And he also had, apparently, he had over 250 demos of tracks that he wanted to put on here. And Jake Sinclair looked at it and said, he listened to all of them, picked one song, and that was uh, Endless, or uh, not Endless Bummer, uh, uh, California Kids. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then they based the rest of the album off of that. And they kind of butted heads because Rivers Cuomo wanted new sounds. He's like, we got to do new stuff. We got to do new stuff. And Jake was like, no. Let's make this sound like old stuff. Let's make this sound like Pinkerton. Let's make this sound like the first couple albums. Okay. And I think it ended up being a sort of hybrid of the two that really, really works well. Hmm. That's interesting. Great album. Love it is a great to. record. What is your number two, Matthew? Well, sometimes the stars align. Hmm. Sometimes there's a bit of serendipity involved. Sometimes when you d don't discuss things between colleagues, you end up with Weezer, the Green Album. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you didn't pick the same album. Ooh, that but was great. When you said uh, Weezer, when you, you started talking, I'm like, your, oh, shit. Your butthole pucker did, did <laughs> a little bit. Weezer's The Green Album <laughs> is my second choice. The definitive power pop album. Oh, yeah. 10-song collection, clocks in at just 28 minutes and 34 seconds. But man, what a fun ride, man. It's so good. So this released in May of 2001, and this was the answer to Pinkerton, the anti-Pinkerton, if you will. <laughs> and I'm about to fill in that gap of knowledge right now. So Weezer had success with their album, the debut Blue album, released in 1994, mm. uh, riding the success of Undone Sweater Song and Buddy Holly. That record ended up selling 3.3 million copies in the U.S. and eventually 15 million copies worldwide by 2009, which is pretty significant. Yeah. Ranked 299 on Rolling Stone's list of the best 500 records of all time. Pretty good. So it was a hell of a start to their career. Yeah. So they followed that up 
with the deeply personal and autobiographical album Pinkerton. Super dark and abrasive record, and at the time it was received thusly. It did not sell well. The record company was pissed, and the reviewers torched it. 1996 Rolling Stone named it the third worst album of the year. Whoa! The failure of that record would drive lead singer and guitarist Rivers Cuomo into seclusion and deep depression. He holed up in his house at one point, covering his windows with black painted plexiglass to allow zero light in. And then the internet came to the rescue. So over the next three years, Pinkerton would gain a cult status, eventually go platinum, and found its legs via word of mouth because essentially the band had given up. Uh, Word got back to Rivers about it, and it would drive him to start writing again. But he decided to never write autobiographical songs anymore because of that experience. So he ended up writing over 100 songs in that period. Wow turning 75 of those 100 songs into demos. He lured back the car's Rick Ocasek, who was the producer on the Blue Album, uh, to produce the new one, even recreating the cover art of the first record, albeit with a different color. And where Pinkerton was dark and disturbing, uh, this album shot out of the gate with this sheen, this brightness of clarity. And it's one of those records that is best played super Super loud. Oh, yeah. Longest song on the record is the last one, Oh, Girlfriend, which clocks in at 350, but mostly that's just tail end. Uh, but it's how much gets packed into these songs that's really the star. Songs like Hash Pipe about an L.A. transvestite or Photograph shows how much songwriting can actually get done in two and a half minutes. You want it, you can have it, but you gotta learn to reach out there and grab it. Cause Right. You know, uh, something uh, yeah. that I do kind of find interesting, and this just popped into my head. Uh, we have talked about Weezer on this podcast maybe half a dozen times yeah. in, you know, 30-ish episodes. We have not yet done a Weezer album. I know. We both like Weezer. Clearly, we we do enjoy <laughs> Weezer. We haven't done a Weezer <laughs> album yet. So just saying, kind of a weird decision on our parts. But uh, Hold go, on, go let ahead. me, uh, you continue to talk. Let me make a note here. Oh, Weezer. Album, a Weezer. The trick is going to be episode. Which album? You know what? Let's open this up. If let us know which Weezer album you want us to review. Oh yeah. So email us info at audiojudo dot com. We're not going to take this request anywhere else unless I really decide to. This obviously we said this episode probably won't come out until late summer. So we will postpone doing a Weezer episode until fall-ish 2020 sometime. But uh, email us. Let us know uh, between whenever this episode comes out, you've got, let's say, a month. Let's say you guys have a month to email us with which Weezer album we should do and tell us why. Just needs to be one sentence like, I really like this album or whatever you do, don't do this because it sucks. Uh, (laughs) Don't talk about Hurley. Don't talk about Hurley. (laughs) (laughs) email us let us know which one you want us to do and if we actually get some emails from people we will do that album whichever one uh whichever one we get the most votes for i kid hurley's actually a pretty good record yeah 
So they're all pretty good records, but go ahead. They are. Uh, most people know this record because of Islands in the Sun. Yeah. Which is a great song, but it's actually my least favorite on the record because it's so unlike everything else on here, which kind of just takes you. It, it's fine. It just seems out of place. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things written about this song is a review from the AV Club who said this, and Ooh. this kind of ties ties this whole thing together so far with the first four choices. A reminder that Cuomo really does deserve Brian Wilson comparisons for reasons beyond being a hermetic weirdo Ooh. with a solid grasp of pop song 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 craft. <laughs> it's a little rude with the whole hermetic weirdo yeah. comment, but it makes sense. Uh, this album would be ranked by Rolling Stone as the fourth best record of 2001, which is a nice recovery yeah. from the Pinkerton debacle. From being the one of the three worst albums to one of the top four. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, it would sell over a million and a half copies, solidify Weezer as the power pop nerd guys. And for me, Weezer has always been a summertime band. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I think when I listen to them, like Seek It Out, it's almost always summer. So interesting serendipity. That's right. why. I'm glad that happened, though. That's now. I do that was have a, a close one. I do, have, I do have a question for you, though. Were they actually your second album? Did it just so happen that we both picked second albums as Weezer albums? Yeah. Or did you adjust the no. order there? No, that's <laughs> number two. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> number two. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Your turn. My third album. This is it. This is the Closing Out the Night album. You want to put something on. It's going to wind everything down, get everybody, you know, you can sit around and have some drinks, relax a little bit before you uh, doze off. Mm -hmm. uh, picked a live album for this one. It's not Kiss Alive, is it? No, it is not Kiss Alive. <laughs> <laughs> is it Frampton Comes Alive? It's not Frampton oh, okay. Comes Alive. Uh it is uh, Led Zeppelin. How the West was one. Ooh! Oh my God! This is this is one of my this is by far my favorite live album of all time. Really? And I think that it's probably it consistently is in my top ten albums. Um, it is. It was released in May uh, twenty two thousand three. Uh, I actually at the time I was working at Walmart uh, in the electronics department mm -hmm. because I was a, still a teenager and you take what you can get. And I knew this album was coming out uh, for weeks ahead of time because we would get the release uh, things early. And I actually went into work on a day off to buy this album. Wow. Which, you know, as an apathetic teenager, that's a pretty, uh, pretty big That's uh, a bold move. It's a bold move, Cotton. <laughs> so it was recorded uh, from a tour in 1972 of North America. It's actually split up between two different venues, the LA Forum uh, on the 25th of June, 1972, and the Long Beach Arena on the 27th of June, 1972. When was this released, though? 2003. Okay. So there's a reason. Uh, it was lost. So this is a, um, one thing I should say, there were a few bootlegs, there are a lot of bootlegs floating around of um, Zeppelin concerts. Mm. Uh, neither of these concerts had a good bootleg. There were a couple of really low quality bootlegs floating around that didn't sound very good. And people knew that at the time, um, as Zeppelin was touring, uh, they were doing uh, at board, at audio board recordings recording, okay. of every single concert, uh, or supposedly every single concert. And then the ones that they sounded good, they would archive it or stick it somewhere. So uh, this one kind of got lost for a while. So in 2003, they were working on a Led Zeppelin DVD uh, collection. And Jimmy Page was going through the archives, and he found these recordings. Mm. And so, well, presumably a little bit before 2003. It's been amazing to be able to record so much 
that you don't even know the things that you recorded. Yeah. You just lose them. That you're like, <laughs> like happen, happen over it and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, right. That concert. There were only 60,000 people at this one. Yeah. I forgot about it. That's weird. But uh, Jimmy Page said in the liner notes for this, his quote uh, is, uh, uh, while I was searching through the archives for visual and audio material for the Led Zeppelin DVD, I rediscovered these 1972 performances. And then he goes on to say, this is Led Zeppelin at its best and an illustration of how the West was won. Which hmm, interesting. Jimmy I wonder where Page, they got the title from. Right. If Jimmy Page is saying this is Led Zeppelin at their best, that's that's saying something. It's pretty fucking amazing. Yeah. And it really is an an unbelievable album. If you've never listened to it, it's available all over the place. Go have a listen. But uh uh did go platinum. Uh it was number one on the Billboard chart for a couple of weeks, uh stayed on the chart for sixteen weeks, which is a pretty good run for a live album. Uh Notable tracks on here, uh, obviously a lot of the classic Zeppelin stuff. Immigrant Song, Over the Hills and Far Away, uh, Stairway to Heaven, of course, is on here. Uh, Dancing Days, uh, days. there's a, on the third, it's a three CD set. And on the third one, they are, or the second and the third one, there are some like strung together songs where they, because they were live, obviously, they just kept playing and playing and playing. So there's uh, one that is uh, Dazed and Confused. Uh, Walter's Walk and the Crunge that's 25 minutes long. Oof. And it is, it's great. Uh, there's another one that's a whole lot of love Boogie Chillin', uh, Let's Have a Party, Hello Mary Lou, and Going Down Slow that's 23 minutes long. And it's this great, just long run. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. The Ocean, of course, is on here. Sure. Uh, and I think, my opinion, of course, here, uh, this is the best version of rock and roll that Zeppelin ever did. So good, and I, I, what I love about it is that it's not perfect. Oh yeah, it is. It is so much live. It's a little bit out of you know. It's a little bit out well, of whack. He's trying to play all that, all those guitar parts, right? And it's so <laughs> good. It just it sounds so different from the album version, and I love it. Um, but yeah, this this whole album it's very long. Like I said, it covers three CDs. I think it's an hour, or sorry, one hundred and forty one minutes. So over two hours worth of Led Zeppelin mm, concert. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, it's it's great. This is this is the type of concert that would make George Harrison say "fuck me" from, pre- from previously. That's true. He would. Uh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it is a a wonderful Fuck live me. album, and if you've never heard it, uh, get yourself a couple of beers and sit down and listen to it some night. All right, you don't have to tell me twice. Yeah, I really had to pry that one into you. Yeah, you did. Jeez. Here it is, Matthew. Your final summer album. So after those two crunchy choices, uh, do you have any idea what my third choice is going to be, Kyle? You got any sense? Oh, I'm going to guess it's something, a Britney Spears album is what mm. I'm going to guess. No. My third choice is Led Zeppelin. Th- no. 
damn you, Kyle. <laughs> so my third choice was not something I thought I would even listen to before 2003. Um, it's not really a record I listened to in my youth at all. Not a style, except maybe kind of tangentially that I really related to at all. The style was represented in many other things I used to listen to, at least in part, but I never sought it out. I knew the bigger names, but only a little bit. Uh, this will come as a surprise to a lot of people that know me. My third choice is Exodus by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Oh. So I had heard bits and pieces of this over the years, especially One Love and Jamming to some degree. Uh, but it wasn't until 2003 when my wife and I went to Jamaica for a vacation did I listen to the whole thing. And it's such a fantastic record <laughs> from top to bottom. Uh, so this record was his ninth it was the follow-up to his most successful record in the U.S. to that date, Rastamon Vibration. In December 1976, Marley, his wife, and his manager were at his house in Nine Mile when there was an assassination attempt on his life. He was shot and grazed. His wife and manager were more seriously injured. Um, there was a ton of political upheaval in Jamaica at that time. Uh, people still believe that that shooting was uh, politically motivated because of what side of the aisle he kind of tended to land on. Wow. Uh, the best part of that story is he still performed two days later at a small, a small Jamaica concert. Oh, that's so awesome. dragged his ass out there. It was great. <laughs> um, regardless, Marley left right after that to live in Nassau for a month or so, and then he moved to London for a two-year self-imposed exile. Wow. Um, the Whalers had been disbanded. They'd all gone on to do solo work. So he put together a new version of The Whalers where he recorded this record that is dripping with British rock and blues and soul and coupled with his own unique version of reggae. He also changed his lyrical style from real cryptic storytelling to songs about faith and sex predominantly. Um, but from tracks five to ten are just some of the greatest songs ever recorded title track runs almost eight minutes wow and it's almost it's every bit the classic that people say that it is reached number one in jamaica in the uk and germany almost cracked the top hundred in the u.s but it's a rastafarian revolutionary theme song and the classic three little birds is a song that i probably hear about 20 times a day when we are on the beach in montego bay and unlike <laughs> so many other songs that we hear on vacation it never gets old. great and i usually play this at the beginning of summer as like a call to vacation i usually take my vacations in november and december so this is my starting the summer looking forward to the end of the year record nice and i just uh i, I never i mean rush used to incorporate some reggae into their songs in the early 80s i know the police did it for a long time and really for the longest time that was the limit of my exposure to reggae other than you know i knew i shot the sheriff i you know, yeah. I knew stuff like that and it wasn't, but it didn't resonate until 
till I really sat down and listened to this whole thing and and what he was trying to say and how he communicated it. And I'm like, damn, that's just too good. That's just so good. <laughs> so that's uh, that's my three. That's it. That's the the six albums you should listen to this summer for sure. We have a whole bunch of other stuff though. We, we have do. A, other stuff. You want to go over some uh, fan submissions? Yeah, I have. Uh, my wife recommended. Uh, she had three as we were driving to Phoenix last Ooh. week. Um, um, Smash by The Offspring, which is a great record. Yeah, it is. I always I haven't forget heard that about in years. it. I know. I forget about it, and you realize that it's loaded with hits, too. Um, Dookie by Green Day. Another good one. Also loaded with hits. Uh, Smash Mouse Astro Lounge. And they all do have that summery yeah. mid-90s vibe to them. I was about to say, your wife's got a type there. Yeah, because the fourth one was uh, Tragic Kingdom by, by No Doubt, which again, is same, <laughs> right at the exact same time. Uh, one of uh, your co-workers, um, Nikki, oh. uh, suggested Gunslinger by Garth Brooks, Ooh, which is the first and only country suggestion that I see on my list, hmm. which is which is good. Uh, my son, Christian, uh, suggested Sunlit Youth by Local Natives. Ooh. Um, he and I had a, a, an interesting back and forth because he doesn't necessarily think that they're summer albums or spring albums or winter albums. They're mood albums. Oh. Like, I'm in, a, I'm in a happier mood. I'm like, that would probably lean more to summer than anything else. So we had to uh, kind of winnow it down Interesting. to get to a point. Um uh, one of our friends, Vikram, suggested 36 Chambers by Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, yeah. Which is a great, it's a good record. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. Uh, my friend uh, Paul uh, suggested Summertime from the home base record by DJ Jazzy Jeff <laughs> and the Fresh Prince. Uh, that's awesome. Which is good. Uh, Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg was suggested because it's got gin and juice on it. So you can't go wrong with it's that. It's a good summer song. One of my other ones that I uh, kind of went back and forth, actually, these um, the, the rest of these I kind of went back and forth about including in my top three and kind oh, yeah. of kept taking them out. Uh, Eliminator by ZZ Top. Oh, that's a good one. It's hard to get around that record. I want to do a, a ZZ Top record, but I don't know that I'm going to do that one at some point. Um, Cosmic Thing by the B-52s. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Also loaded with hits and very... You know, it's stuck in a time, yes. but it's still really good. It definitely, you listen to that and you're like, oh yeah, this is from the late 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had uh, Miser Lou uh, by Dick, Dick Dale, yeah. which I know is a song, but who cares? It's awesome. Yeah. Um, Vacation by the Go-Go's, which ah. I almost put on today's list uh, because it just sounds like summer to me. Yeah. And uh the the last one deserves an entire episode all to itself, and that's the Chronic by Dr. Dre. Oh yeah, we'll have to do that one at some point. It's too, it's too everybody, good. Everybody wants to know what two middle aged white men have to say about the Chronic. I I want to know what I have to say about the Chronic. <laughs> I'm not going to know till I'm halfway through it. Yeah, man. Chronic I, uh, man. <laughs> we might have to swap out the beers for some pot. Ooh, in that episode, it's legal here. So, gummies, uh, some gummies. It'll be fun. <laughs> Uh, so some of my almost made it's uh, Dick Dale's uh, Surface Choice from 1962. That's the that does have Miserloo on it. I figured one of the toughest things about picking early surf music 
is that everybody covered everybody else at the time with their own kind of style on it. So no matter what album you pick, there's covers of other surf music songs on there, and it gets really weird and complicated, but they all still sound great. Uh, But Seriously Folks by Joe Walsh from 1978. That's a good record. It is. Life's been good to me so far. Great summer song. Just There's there's a lot of good stuff on that record. There is, but that one in particular, just such a laid back and like a great song. Mm. Uh, Purple by the Stone Temple Pilots from 1994. That was their second record, right? Yes. So that was the... That's an interstate love song. Meat Meat Plow is the first track. Gotcha. It's a good album. Uh, It's very, I think that it's more of a summer for me type of an album. That's why I rejected it. And that's the exercise to go through because I feel like a lot of them, like a lot of other ones that I had on my list that I didn't even list here were, were, were albums, summer albums for me. Yeah. Boston's first record, Boston, that we've covered at length is definitely one of those summer albums for me. Like I remember just hanging out at the beach playing volleyball and just playing it, flipping the cassette, playing it, yeah. flipping the cassette, playing it. And you're the, out there for three hours. So it's a 40 minute <laughs> record. I may have, I've listened to it five times, but you know, it just doesn't get old. It's perfect yeah. for that time, time of year. It is uh night work by the scissor sisters from 2010. That was the one that was kind of a, uh, yes, the scissor sisters. Matthew is doing the <laughs> hand instead of another hand representing two women having sex with I don't, one another. I don't know what you're referring to. Uh, <laughs> it's making hand gestures yeah, at Randy. I don't, I don't over know there. what it is either. Uh, but uh, it's a great kind of a almost clubby type of an album. What is it called again? Uh, Nightwork. I'll have to look it up. It's uh, it's good. I'm I like familiar it. with the band, but I, I don't know that I would know that record. And so. then uh, Van Halen 2 from 1979. Uh, specifically because the thing that got me thinking about it was beautiful, beautiful girls is such a great summer song. Oh yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Beautiful girls. So there you have it, everybody. Summer songs. Uh, like, like we said, you'll probably be listening to this in August. Albums of summer. uh, Albums of summer. Albums of summer. I did say songs of summer. You did. Albums of summer. So, uh, have a listen, flashback to what you did over the summer. Hopefully it was good. And then let us know what you did over the summer. Uh, you can email us info at audiojudo.com, facebook.com forward slash audiojudo. We're at audiojudo on Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What else do we need to say here? Uh, we're now uh, part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Absolutely. So if you're uh, done listening to us and you want to listen to some other great music podcasts, go check them out. And I know for a fact that there is a Weezer based podcast yes, there is. on Pantheon, which I'm sure they go into. Much more detail than oh, we yeah. will, but we still want to hear from you about uh, which Weezer album we should cover. Please. But if you're if you're looking for you know real bare bones, down in depth, go ahead, check them out. I can't remember what their name is off the top of my head, but uh, if you look around Pantheon, you'll find it. Yeah the the cover of their podcast icon is I believe the two of them standing in front of a, a thing. It looks like a Weezer album cover because yep. it's a solid color and it's got the text. But check them out. And then come back and check out the rest of our episode. Please. So uh, we hope you had a good summer, or we hope you're about to have a good summer if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. (laughs) Didn't didn't even think about that. Those people, if we've got listeners in the Southern Hemisphere, they're about to start their summer. So uh, enjoy your summer. And the people that are listening to us from Russia, I'm sorry, you don't get a summer. Too bad. Sorry. I kid. I kid. But uh, yeah, (laughs) hope everybody's doing good, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Bye. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 